Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. of women in another city a couple of days ago, Alex's dad, whatever. And 
weather just off this end is really, really foggy. And it just took me a long time to get there. And um, I was all dressed up in clothes I like to wear. I think I had on this little mini skirt and some mini skirts that I wear to class and some mini skirts that I wear to my friends in the garage. And they had just heard of me, but they'd never seen me. And I arrived after this long car trip, and they had these um, reception tables out in front of this bank. And it was kind of a business slash Christian woman from that area together, very formal. And I walked up to the table, and the woman that um, I saw first looked up at me, and I smiled, and she sort of didn't smile. And I smiled again, and she didn't smile. And so I looked at the lady next to her, and I said, Hi, I'm Kathleen Whitten, because they're checking names off the list at the bank here. The lady next to her um, said, Oh, my gosh. She said, Oh, you're, you're the speaker? And I said, Yes, I am. And she said, oh, oh, my gosh. And the lady, the other lady that was kind of supposed to be the leader never said anything and never looked up again. And so I thought, you know, this is, I'm dressed inappropriately. Something is not right. And so she said, well, I'm sure you're going to want to freshen up after your car trip. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I don't know if she means she needs to add the other, you know, material to her skirt or, you know. I wasn't sure what they were expecting, you know. And, um. <clears throat> And so I said, well, I, I would love to do that. That's wonderful. And so she said, well, we'll take over here. We're glad you're here. We've been expecting you. We told our friends about you. And we have all these people in there who want to know from this bank and that bank and this. And we're going to get together. And she was just kind of talking. And she was very friendly. And the other lady that was the head table kind of leader lady never looked up. So I went in the restroom. And I proceeded to freshen up. And the lady who had never said anything to me first walked in, was there washing my hands. And so I said to her, and she, you know, she was just busy washing my hands. And I said, so, gosh, you know, this was a really nice drive down here. Um, it was kind of foggy, and I kind of like driving in the fog, because if you really think about things, it was a really long drive, but I didn't mind that, because I liked driving in the fog, and I liked it. <laughs> didn't say anything. She just kind of slicked the water off of me. So I 
some of these women, um, they had this front table on this podium like this, and the, I saw her, I spotted her. She was one of the head incidence or whoever it was, and she was at the front table, and I did the completely opposite of super etiquette, and you'll notice I'm not doing it today. I just looked at one person through the whole crowd because the police were just coming to me, and I felt really weird doing that, but I've noticed that if I really care something in the crowd and I do it, there's a reason. There is a reason. And so as I spoke to her, at first she was just very, like, an expressionless face. I don't know if you've ever seen someone with an expressionless face, but I'm starting to see that more and more and more in the crowd this week. Like, people are just doing their job with an expressionless face. It's just weird to look at. (laughs) And the more I spoke, the more she just kind of lit up. And I could tell she was taking in, like, like a hungry person from the words of God, which are just, they're um, water to a parched soul, and just taking it in and nodding, and she was listening to the stories, and then at the end, she was just with me, and afterwards, we prayed, you know, all together as a group, not just with Mike, and then some women, you know, as usual, came up, wanted to talk, and asked her some questions, and that kind of thing, and I saw her behind, you know, two other women, and I finished talking with them, and then she came up at the front, and I just thought, God was so busy, you know. He obviously wanted to touch me somehow and spoken through me in spite of me, in spite of my ministry. It was probably too short, but I liked it. I did. And her friend turned to her and said, Did you just say something? I don't understand what you said. And this woman who I thought of as Sometimes from their own, even emotional baggage, or the things that have gone on in their lives, and we hide our pain from God. But there is that place of maturity where God develops our character enough to move into whatever it is that we decide to to do. And that's what I love about God, is there's never a waste of time. He's been coming to us all the same time of day because there's this pain for us. Joseph, he's very immature. He doesn't have the the, um, the maturity to even walk in the gifts that God's given him, which is dreaming. I mean, certainly he's he's prophetic. So he hears a dream or he gets a dream from God, and he's you know, he just kind of blew it. And so we need to realize that, too, with our friends and with our kids and with ourselves, that when we first start operating, especially in the gifts of the Spirit, we're not going to be mature because we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> And so we need to give each other encouragement and give each other some slack because it could very well be an incredible God-given gift. And yet, most of our our kids are filled with anger and and, and I see things even in my own child that I just want to, and then I realize, you know what, that God's put that strong personality in someone who's going to be a leader, whatever it is. And the same thing with your children. The same thing with your spouse. <clears throat> same thing with your spouse. Amen. 
thought it went in terms of one person say amen and it wasn't even that.
And then he kind of gets back on his feet. He forgives his brother. He gets him out of his house, and he gets promoted. And then he gets in prison for doing the right thing. And what the Holy Spirit has been saying to me so much lately is to always look at Jacob in the wrong place at the wrong time to be accepted. And we see that in this story. And that is so important because so often it feels like it looks like I or, or my child or maybe my husband or whatever it might be. I wait for that time or there is a wrong place at the wrong time. Thank you. 
in prison for a long time, and then what happens? He ends up head of the prison because God's still developing that character in him, and they see in the prison, my gosh, this guy really could be God's child. And so he ends up head of the prison, which, you know, when we study these people and the world, it's just such a good reminder that they are despicable, you know, and yet he had sleepless nights towards himself is so huge to me about Joseph being in prison and being um, promoted is that not only did he trust God, but here we have the butler and the baker. And I remember in the story, did anybody kill him? Also, just to tell you all, if I can say it without totally breaking it, that the woman that led me to Lord
how the child has moved and how's that child and I focus on that child and the Holy Spirit just like says but we need to watch the mind patterns of our children and so Joseph gets to prison and it's not a great place to be and he might be tempted to just hunker down and get to it you know and just unsurvival mode and see that's where a lot of us are is because we look at these guys and we say I'm in a tough place I'm in a prison in my life whether it be financially emotionally relationally um, whatever and I'm just going to hunker down and I'm going to survive but that's not what God tells us to do he says for us to move to act to be given up so here comes the butler and the baker and they're in prison and they have these dreams and Joseph interprets the dreams and he basically interprets their dreams exactly the way that they wanted. And so what happens is, <clears throat> I'm going to read starting in Genesis 40. After they've been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker, and they call the cupbearer is also called the butler. So the butler and cupbearer of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. And when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? And they said, well, we both had dreams, but there's no one to interpret them. So Joseph said to them, hmm, that's pretty sad. But don't we? Hmm, yeah, that's real sad. Our faces, we blush. I mean, at what point do we go, God, I mean, I know this, you want me involved? this or do you want me to be the one that writes the check or do you want me to be the one that says I'll go help you move or do you want me to be the one that says I'll throw you into this fire or you want me where do you want me because see I can't look at where I've been thrown and dejected and all that I've got to say God I know you see it too much but even if I'm not rejoicing even if I'm unfortunately but you see Joseph's in prison but he still cares about the people who are in prison with him and there's nothing to his life. See, being in prison is any of the times when it looks like God's not doing enough or calling out and saying, God, I just can't do it. There's just things that are not good. And we're all there at one time or another. Maybe you're there for some reason. And the temptation is, I will never do anything. Don't do anything for me. But see, we cut off our own outlet that which is through Jesus and God uses that outlet to give us his gifts he's willing to use his gifts in the prison and so then Joseph says to them when they say no one serves to interpret he said do not interpret their dreams for long as I have told me your dreams and he interprets their dreams and the description of the butler's dream and the description of the baker's dream and then he tells them what's going to happen Basically, the chief cupbearer, the butler, is going to be restored to his position. And the baker doesn't have quite as good of a reputation. But anyway, this chief butler, cupbearer, is restored to his position. And, jo and Joseph is so excited about this because, see, he sees God's answer. He sees God's provision. He sees that he's talked to this man. And this man is going to Pharaoh, who has the keys to the jail for Joseph. And he says, don't forget me. And I'm sure the butler said, oh, don't worry. You know, you cared about me in prison. Don't worry. I'm not going to forget you. Don't worry. 
so here we read, though, in Genesis 41, and, and, and we read the scriptures and we forget these people, these dreams and the expectations that were told just like that. And we see these simple little words, one, two, three, four, five, six, six little words that cry, and in these little words lies the hope. See, that was God's plan. He was going to take him to Hagar, and he just wasn't going to match because they don't even know how to copulate. You got to get his hands dirty or whatever that means. They couldn't really even want to be associated anymore with that kind of stuff. And see, sometimes God will take us out of our comfort zone. He doesn't want us to stretch. He doesn't want us to get to a place where we're like, ooh, that didn't feel so bad anymore. Jacob cried because he once again, his brothers reject him. Sell him off. Uh, an authority figure in his house rejects him. Brings him to prison. And then someone else totally blows him off and doesn't even know it. You ever help somebody who is there for them? really, really there for them, and then you leave them, and they don't even know it. Why? Because God doesn't say, take that to the bank. He will likely be there to try to get you
and let alone him. And then Pharaoh took to Jacob, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. Those are two key points for me. One, that, well, one huge point right there, and that is those words that Joseph was quickly brought from the dungeon. Now, Joseph's been in the dungeon for years, many years. He's not seen life yet, but he's quickly brought from it. And what's exciting me about that is that I realize that man was in there being tormented. He was expecting to get out. He wasn't staying in there. And he was ready to walk in the things that God had for him, even though he felt like he was in prison. He was in prison. But in our lives, we go through things where we're in the dungeon where we don't see a lot of rest. It doesn't look like we're going to make it. Nothing's working. But are we expectant for God to do what he's going to do when he's going to do it? Are we ready? Or are we crouched down in a corner with our peanuts boxes just saying, nobody cares about me, God's deserted me? Do we feel that way? Yes. And that's what's so awesome about God is he wants us to be honest with him. And I've cried out to God so many times, and I can tell you I've had screams and yells and, and been hurt and devastated. And maybe you have too. And, you know, he can take it. And I said to him, though, but, you know, I love this guy. He's special. He's so amazing. He comes back to his best almost like about like, you know, my, my bed is filled with my fears, and the people have rejected me. I'm on the run all the time. I'm, my bones are broken. I, I, I'm abhorred by other people. I, everything has gone wrong in my life. Nothing's going on. And then he says, but I see God's favor. You know, and so here is Joseph, not understanding what is going on, totally rejected and left out, but it says that he quickly, that word quickly, went from the dungeon to the palace. Quickly, brought from the dungeon. Didn't take a lunch break. Didn't take a long peanut break. And I think about in my own life, you know, for our lives, is there ever a time that God is ready and we aren't ready? You know, is there ever a time that the miracle's here and we don't even perceive it, like it says in Jeremiah 17, because we're so focused on what man has at our disposal? about to get cut loose. That's for sure. And what's so amazing about that is he does interpret Pharaoh's dreams. He does become the ruler right under Pharaoh. And what I love about Joseph, I'm saying more and more, not one time does the Bible say, and he rids Pharaoh of the cutthroat. Because where are we tempted to do that? I was in prison two years because you didn't remember me. You didn't care about me. And now that I have the power, you're out of here. You're fired. My voice didn't get through that. But my head. I don't know. I don't recall. I don't think they are either. But he didn't do that. Even in the past, he's seen people that he has hurt before. 
against those who are not only attracted to what Jesus says, but are chosen to receive that message, not only can you use that as stepping stones into that additional disciple in your life and be a significant part of his kingdom, bringing him glory, but the third and most important thing is that you and I will We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.